Welcome to Everyday Driver, where cars are more than just transportation. They're freedom, a common ground, a way to grow, and can even make life better. We're here to help everyone find a car they love and discover all the ways cars connect us. I'm Todd. I'm Paul. And this is The Car Debate. At long last, I have good news. Season 9 is currently on Amazon Prime Video. It is, is available for news. your viewing pleasure. It is very good news. I will not bore you guys with what happened behind the scenes, but suffice to say this. Due to Amazon changes, we cannot offer it to you free on Prime. But That's on Amazon. Yes. Yep. But season two through nine, because season one was essentially just YouTube content. That's why it's not up there. Season two through nine are all there. All of season nine is there. You can go get them. The prices are decent. We would love for you to see it all. Now, it is eventually going to come to YouTube, of course, but... Many of you have asked, when is it coming to Amazon Prime? I actually, because I'm that guy, I watched a couple episodes after it posted this weekend to see how it looks on the back end, like the (laughs) viewership thing. Yeah, it's us. That's cool. Exactly. And the stuff that streams off of Amazon is the best our stuff looks. Short of buying a Blu-ray of everything, which obviously doesn't happen, it looks phenomenal playing on Amazon. So if you have Amazon Prime, if you wanted Season 9, it is there. I am quite excited because there was much going on behind the scenes. The other thing that's funny is when it actually goes live on Amazon, they don't tell you. No notification. They don't send you an no email. email. That, yeah, they send you an e- Actually, they don't even tell you when it isn't live, but, they, but you can get emails back and forth to the monolith. I, I'm sending ship back and forth to the Death, Death Star. I, I'm sending lots of emails back and forth. <laughs> Pretty much. But then it just goes live one day. And I was like, oh my gosh, season nine is up. So I'm actually really excited, and I hope you guys are too. That's awesome news. Yeah, really hope you enjoy. That was quite a season for us, including yeah, really a, cool. uh, an episode out at uh, Rally Ready, mm-hmm. out at uh, Texas Dave's Ranch in uh, outside of Austin there. Please leave some feedback, uh, ratings and reviews yes, when, uh, when you can, and hope you enjoy. The uh, 2023 Acura Integra has been revealed. Mm-hmm. It's been shown publicly now. We know what it looks like. So I guess I in a suit. Uh, yeah. See, I <laughs> was hoping not to. Well, I mean, that's what not it is. to go there. That's what it is. The underpinnings. I mean, we know that's what it is in the underpinnings. But yes. this is this is a difficult place for Acura to be because talk about a legendary name. It's it's every bit as problematic as Toyota with the super name. You yes. kind of can't win in well, a weird way. That just means enthusiasts are going to have to be open minded about what the offerings are yes. because of how Honda and Acura are positioned now. And the fact that Acura has made it a thing for all their vehicles to have super handling all-wheel drive. Mm-hmm. The Integra has never been all-wheel drive. That's an interesting point, yeah. So if that is one of the differentiator, or actually the differentiator, not just styling, between a Civic Si and the new Integra, mm-hmm. not to mention what if we do get a Type R, essentially, that is now the all-wheel drive that we actually wanted. It's just called an Integra instead of a Civic Type R. Interesting point. Yeah. That might be coming too, but we all have to be open-minded about it because at least they're doing it just like Toyota is with yes. the Super. at least yes. they're building it and bringing it back because they yes. know that Integra name is hallowed ground for sure and in case you didn't notice the uh, prototype said Integra almost as big as the car on the side you like, didn't need to no, wait for the really? magic it's Integra. like this is what this is and and the styling has already been controversial and from what I've seen I don't love it but we've talked many times about the fact that cars are often very different in the metal and even I'm sorry I'm going to stay with the Supra you and I were both like I'm not sure and then we saw one in person and went, you know, all right, that looks pretty the cool. The Supra you're talking about? Okay. Yeah. yeah. So I'm, yeah, I'm wondering about that in this situation. We're actually about to drive the uh, Civic Si in the very near future as part of season 10 coming up. <laughs> also so, the Integra. Exactly. <clears throat> so so I'm very curious to talk about it for, after we've driven it to actually talk about what we expect this Integra to be. Because again, 
thank God they're bringing it back. Yes. It's very cool yes. that manufacturers are even doing this kind of thing. So, exactly. we, so we as enthusiasts, I feel like we have to put our money where our math, mouth is and be excited about it. But it doesn't mean that these cars are all the most perfect thing in the world. But the best, the best analog I can think of is to talk about it in relation to the Supra. Agreed. And it's saying a six-speed manual will be standard. Good. That's what we're all screaming for is yep. what cars are manual, as a matter of mm-hmm. fact. And so, yeah, here they are doing it. And mm-hmm. so when car manufacturers do come through, they want their audience to respond. They want their enthusiasts to respond. Come on, yeah, buy yeah, one. Yeah. Let's, let's get you, after it. Did you see the question from uh, from Instagram? I, Ivan Hooser 15 says, whatever a generation, new generation of a car is released, like the Integra, everyone is so quick to hate on it saying, that's not an Integra. Why can't we just be happy we got something back and realize cars evolve and change? <laughs> I completely agree with you. This is the struggle. It doesn't mean that just because the car came back, it's awesome. It doesn't mean that. Yeah, right. There, right. Are, there are pros and cons of all of these cars. But there are so many cars that enthusiasts don't care about that are being pushed out of the factory every five seconds that when there is one that we should be excited about, can we at least take a moment and be excited? Let's be excited. We love cars. They're doing it. Another one that was just announced is the 2022 Mazda CX-50. Uh-huh. They're going to do all the numbers now. Announced. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, they had a CX-5 for a while. Mm-hmm. They had to let it die because it was minivan light. It was. It couldn't decide what it was. It was a minivan SUV well, they had size. a CX-7. That died. Well, they have the CX-5 that we love. Yeah, the CX-5, but it was minivan-ish. Uh, yeah. The new CX-50 is very much not. It is an outback. Mm. Well, kind of. <laughs> but it feels more rugged. But they did it without just adding the black plastic cladding to mm-hmm. the fender wheel wells to just to the you know the lower parts of the car the whole thing actually looks pretty aggressive and yeah. pretty awesome actually you can get it with a 2.5 liter sky active the naturally aspirated en- engine or with the turbo I bet you the turbo will wake that thing up and the turbo life the turbo with their six-speed automatic and everything else in their lineup is excellent so it that suggests good cool. things it does look cool and it looks like an overlander it looks like it does they're playing this is that. the truck car thing that you've wanted mm-hmm. to now match the lifestyle film that's been running in your head <laughs> <laughs> that you want to buy some lifestyle gear, and oh, now no. if you buy this, it'll give an excuse to go buy that stuff. Uh-huh. Load up the truck, the trucklet. The trucklet, yes. And Where's your kayak and your beanie? We're going to have a day. Well, the yeah. steak's in the coolers to oh, drive right. to you're the right. campsite, yep. so you're we right. can throw yep. down on the giant grill, and we're camping. But hey, it's awesome. It's fun. <laughs> I, I love that they're doing it. I think it actually looks quite good. So check it out, CX-50. And then last thing, we have heard now that Bob Bundurant has passed at 88 mm. years old. We are bummed to hear that. We're very sorry for, a sorry legend. for his family. A legend in training, yeah. a legend in racing. I mean, he is a huge name. That is a big loss. So that Bondurant Racing School has now been transferred over. It is now Radford. So the new mm-hmm. Radford that is coming out. So yep. Radford supported there. And uh, pretty exciting that that lives on. And so that, you know, the Radford name, at least for the school, is rooted in the Bondurant history. Yeah, that's interesting, too. And yeah. uh, kind of keeps that alive as well. It's a topic Tuesday. Why? Because it's Tuesday. That's right. It's crazy how that worked out. Reiner's written into us, and he's actually actually asking very interesting questions about EVs, which is just a stadium of rakes and landmines. He says, what if automakers, guys, made all their cars electric, but they kept the upper trim levels or their flagship models gas or hybrid? Or vice versa. Say the, the electric vehicles were at the mid to high level trim packages only, but the base models of those were kept internal combustion engine. 
Would companies be able to meet whatever cafe standards are while keeping a niche market for all of us ice enthusiasts? Because Reiner's just calling BS, he says, on some automakers, because not everyone will have access to charging, mm-hmm. right? And those companies will surely alienate the specific demographic that simply don't have the means to own an EV. Does that mean Audi, with their announcement to go all electric within a few years, all their models will be electric, they're going to phase them out. So does that kind of qualify? Well, we're only going after a particular demographic. We're not for some buyers. We're, we're way out there fine, and that's who we are. I suppose that's okay. I do like it when brands know who they are, mm-hmm. but it seems with cars, it'd be nice to be able to sample everything at every price level. Yeah. That doesn't mean they're good at every price level is the problem. True, very true. Rainer, this is interesting because it, it taps into so many things that are being discussed right now, and, and we, have, we have a weird dichotomy, and you've already touched on it, and that is the, the general non-car-focused news attached to the fact that, well, we've got mandates, 2030 and 2035, no more electric, internal combustion engines, it's going to be all electric, it's going to be great. Mm-hmm. And they, because it's not their world, we're not, they're not living steeped in cars as we are, there's not a lot of discussion beyond the fact that those mandates exist. But let me just go here real quick. The actual MPG standards around the world have been moving targets for years. Mm-hmm. They get clamped mm-hmm. on and get down and get really steep during one administration or one you know conglomerate of politicians, and then it gets backed off, and then it gets altered here, and then it gets – the reason things like the Aston Martin Signet existed is because oh, yeah. for a while you have regulations that allow if you offset over here versus here, and Aston Martin goes, well, we can do that. So <laughs> Hey, Toyota. The, the, the point here is <laughs> it's, it's a constant political football moving target. Yeah. So yeah. while we've all heard about these mandates, I, I do not believe, and I'm not saying this for anything – that is anything to do with climate or, uh, or resources or anything. I'm just saying politically, I expect all of those to move. I expect gray areas mm-hmm. to be found. Mm-hmm. I expect changes will be coming. And I think because the realities that you brought up exist, and that is so, such a small percentage of the market is electric right now that the, the ripple effect of what it would take to even have half the market be EVs is still unknown we don't know. And seems staggering to me. Yes, agreed. And, and, I'm, and please don't get me wrong. I'm not saying it's not being worked on. I know it's being worked of on. Course, of course. But I think the magnitude of it and the ripple effect through all of our daily lives, commutes, and, and cities is yet to be seen. Mm-hmm. And we know mm-hmm. that politicians do not move fast. None of that is moving quickly. Okay? So, <laughs> right, right. So we've got, we've got a decade until this is legit, and I do not think that it's going to be this mass switchover that everybody seems to talk about. It. We were joking about it recently, Paul, that, that it feels like it's being discussed as this giant light switched on the wall. Well, December 31st, 2029, <laughs> we're going to reach over at midnight and flip the switch, and now it's all EVs. Play a print song. It's... <laughs> Hope you partied good, guys. There you go. There's there's no chance. There's not enough charging locations. There's unknown realities about finding enough materials for these batteries. And then watch what's happened in the world in the past year for grids being on the edge of their capability. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I'm not saying these are not surmountable. I'm just saying these haven't been solved and that's got to be done. Let's say every car maker tomorrow made only electric cars. Still got to solve those problems. Reiner, start thinking like a CEO of a car company. Mm. The press release for that Mazda CX-50 announces these two engines. Okay, the Skyactiv 2.5 turbo, Mm -hmm. great, paired with a responsive six-speed automatic transmission. That's great. That's now. 
It goes on to say in the coming years, the CX-50 will also be offered with electrified powertrains, including a traditional hybrid model. Mm. More information about our electrified models will be shared at a later date. Well, that's because Mazda, as is all car companies, are sitting back and watching, as you said, what the market is going to do. What are people's proclivities going to be? What are they interested in buying? Are suddenly people snapping up the latest electric something and, oh, they're really going for that. Okay, so there's a market there and let's go tap that and we can move nimbly because we've got a platform to be able to do it. Mm -hmm. And it seems like those words indicate the CX-50 would be engineered to accommodate that stuff. Well, of course it would. But they don't know when because they don't know what the market forces will do. Maybe never. Maybe it never materializes. And to your point, Reiner, over here, that's already happening. When you said they limit EVs to mid and high level trims only, well, they have to because the technology costs so much. Mm, mm. It's it's not going to be gas models way out here as the expensive ones. And EVs are the cheap ones. Can you imagine that? Well, look at the Toyota the RAV4 Prime. How do they the make money? It's the most expensive way you can get the, the RAV4. Right. And, it's, and it's excellent, by the way. It it's is. superb. Yes. But it yes. is the most expensive way to get a RAV4. It's not the base model that comes with all that tech. <laughs> but it's because all that tech costs money to mm. provide a warranty on this, you know, to match the brand name of that model. Toyota, well, it's it's a hybrid, so therefore it's got to live up to the Toyota standard. Mm-hmm. Ooh, okay, that's a tall order. We got to, you know, make things robust and make them reliable and good for many years. That costs money, and that tech is so, ch- you know, changing so quickly that, well, we're just going to pass those costs right along to you if that's something you'd like to buy, but they're not prevalent. More RAV4s are sold just straight up base to mid-level than any <laughs> other vehicle on the planet. Need a RAV4. I will buy that RAV4. Yeah. Pretty much. But the, these niche ones, they already exist out there. And that's what companies are doing. But they're, they're sitting back going, okay, let, let's watch our sales numbers. And let's see if the market dictates indeed that people are wanting to adopt this technology. But it's expensive to mm-hmm. buy and expensive, as you said. What if you don't have charging capability? Because for everybody to really adopt it, you're going to want a charger in your garage or on the side of your yeah, house. You are. And if, but if you live in a high-rise, you're not going to have enough for everybody in the high-rise. So now, I've joked about this before, are you going to be standing down there in your bunny slippers with a cup of coffee at 2 in the morning because it's your turn to plug your car in? <laughs> I mean, this, these things are going to have to be solved. I mean, people have talked about... There won't about, be bunny slippers. There'll be other slippers, well, but you know, still. People have talked about, wouldn't it be cool if every streetlight in major cities had a, had a plug on it? It would be, but where does that infrastructure come from and can the grid handle it? And please don't mishear me. Because there will be an angry email, and I know it's coming. <laughs> we are not saying these aren't getting worked on, and we're not saying they won't be surmounted. But I do not buy the 2030 or 2035 hard stop on this. I just don't think it's going to happen that fast. We don't know. Yeah, it's looking too far into the future. We don't know what's going to happen. The politics alone don't make me believe yeah, that, let that, alone the tech. It's a change. fascinating reality. And, and to something you said earlier, Paul, think about this for a second. The Prius was 20 years ago when it first showed up. It was like 99, oh. 2000. Okay, and it was what is this weird thinking? Okay, with drum brakes on the back. Yes, but now pretty much every automaker makes something that is dual motored somehow. Mm-hmm. Twenty mm-hmm. years later, yeah, and it does seem like every automaker is now thinking about all their chassis as more like this could be multiple types of propulsion. We didn't exactly just, like you said with the CX fifty. <clears throat> we didn't just design it for gas. We didn't just design it for EV. We designed it for all of the above. Mm-hmm. And we'll see what we are required to do. So I love that thinking because I think it creates an amazing amount of flexibility. We've heard things about, you know, there will be a electric and a non-electric Miata, an electric and a non-electric Cayman. I think those kind of realities are fascinating. Totally. And I it's think exciting. car makers taking a, a chassis and building it so we can 
we can go whatever direction we need to or you as a consumer would like or or the market even dictates. I think that is the right thinking, but I think it also just shows that we're not all just, well, this is the solve, stamp the papers, let's mm-hmm. get it signed. It happens as, as of the 31st. Yeah, right. We're seeing that with the Maserati MC20. It's going to be brought out with this incredible V6. Mm-hmm. Endlessly fascinated with that car. I totally want one. <laughs> You're such the Maserati <laughs> disciple I'm now. I so love it. It's in so the Maserati great. now. But also the C8 Corvette. Mm-hmm. The C8 Z06 specs have blown me into the weeds. And I am most people. It's, it's amazing, isn't it? Absolutely yeah. floored because mm-hmm. you keep comparing it, at least on paper for now. It is a fantastic well, bench racing car. There's no more reason to own anything but that car. <laughs> and then you introduce price. Then let's talk about price, and it'll be far less than name the exotic. Yeah. What? And the ZR1 or Zora or whatever they're going to call the high-end version, mm-hmm. the really fast one, because... Mm-hmm. The Z06 sounds so slow. Yeah, exactly. I don't know what we're doing. <laughs> what is that going to be? What magic jelly are they putting in that thing? But they've engineered that chassis with that central mm-hmm. tunnel from the beginning as their future sports car. So they yep. can do they can hang any panels off that they want. And there's been discussion from the beginning that they could put an electric motor up front. That's right. been discussed off right. and on since they first announced the car as a mid-engine. So you're right. Options are there. Meanwhile, the three supercars, remember those? The Porsche 918 Spider, mm-hmm. the Ferrari LaFerrari, and the McLaren P1? That's old news. That's a decade old. Yes, and they were all these electric hybrids. And you know, yeah. we're about 10, 10 years back, by the way, as you said. So that means, guess what? New ones of that reality is coming. The new greatest hits will be here in the next two or three years, I promise you. Sure, but that, sure. But then how electrified and mixed will those be? Because it's not like, here's the other thing that I find funny about supercars like that. It's not like those cars became slow. (laughs) No one's talking about those three cars. And it's not like any one of them became either uninteresting or slow. If you had the opportunity to own any of those three cars, I think all of us listening would jump on it. But when was the last time you even heard those cars mentioned? I Believe me, it was disheartening to hear, I think it's the 99 Turbo S or at least the GT3, is now faster. Of course it is. In every way, shape, or form than the 918 Spider. And I would totally have a 918. Wah, and I'm not wah. even the Porsche guy. I would have the 918. Yes. Is awesome. It's awesome. The pipes exit behind your head uh-huh. and point to the sky. What? <laughs> Fire toward God. Here we go. Yep. How cool is that? That's really good. But yet, here's the, the faster, the next iteration. Mm-hmm. How did they do that? How do they pull more speed and power? And mm-hmm. the GT4 RS blows my mind i know it does and it's that so 23 to what like. seconds yeah. faster around the ring than a lowly cruddy old gt4 <laughs> how did they do that okay power yeah. but what yeah it is not that's so exciting so think about ford with their beloved mustang runner mm-hmm. it's fun to think about well v8s that sound sells it, there's so many people who are like wow <laughs> why would you choose any you know fewer number of cylinders than eight <laughs> when choosing your sports car. <laughs> that reminds me of something hysterical happening. Keep going. <laughs> Why would you do that? It's V8 or nothing. Sound sells. V8, come on. Let's do it. Well, Corvette stepped up with that Z06 for sure. But, you know, what about future mm-hmm. 918 kind of technology trickle down? That's what the accurate NSX is positioned to be. Yeah. And none of us enthusiasts are giddy about it. We're all just kind of yawning. Accurate NSX. Oh, yeah. I'm actually thinking about the first generation. Is it really the one I want? <laughs> So, what? Come on. My son, Bodie, today, 
is in a coding class, and because that's because we all have coding classes now. You and I didn't, but apparently I totally now had you just that have when coding. I was eleven. Yeah, exactly. He, he's had it for years, but his coding class, they they asked him to fill out a form. They're having a discussion about variables, so they asked him to fill out a form. And anybody, you could fill this out however you wanted, but one of the questions was: give three non-debatable variables, three variables that are always true, and you can make you can like give me three. Just pull variables. them out of thin air. Pull of? them out of thin air. Okay. One of the ones he put down, I am not kidding, was you always find the same engine in a Porsche GT3 RS. That is it. That is an immovable variable. And I said, "Well, wait, buddy. I mean, well, uh, you know, hang on. You're gonna love this. You're gonna love this." Because I pushed back. I said, "Because I, I saw it." I, I was like, "But, buddy, there's, you know, the the GT3 RS has actually had different engines in it over time." And he said, "Yes, but Dad, I'm not kidding you. This is exactly what he said. Yes, but Dad." They're all flat sixes. Nobody's pulling that out and putting a V8 in it. And I was like, officially you got me. I'm going to walk away now. My 11-year-old was like, flat six, dad. It's not a V8. Like, okay, you can leave that as a variable. Bravo. That's a variable. That's a constant. But they're working. Porsche's working on some sort of hybrid or electric. You know, yes, it's but coming. for him right now, okay, it was just, right, fine, he was fine, he fine, was standing fine. on the flat six, and it made me laugh. <laughs> I didn't even, I didn't see that coming. <laughs> Nevertheless, Reinhardt, it's already happening at the mid to high level trim only because that is the tech, and that is what people want to pay for, and that's the, if if you're paying for it, there is also that sense of I have this, you don't. Mm. I can afford to have this mm. and. You can't have it because it's too expensive or whatever. There is a part of that that will still separate vehicle ownership even further. It won't just sure. be brands. Sure. It will be within the, oh, you popped for the the big dog. You got the big daddy. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Okay. You know, congratulations on your promotion. Whatever. <laughs> but th- there is going to be part of that too, whether you use that kind of performance or not. Mm-hmm. But ultimately, it's going to come down to market forces. And that's what car companies are watching so closely. But as we've identified... Almost every car from SUV to sports car is being engineered with that in mind. We could quickly switch and add batteries and motors yeah. and we could, the mount, mounting points are already there. The holes are there. Isn't that interesting? Yeah, yeah, it's fascinating. You've heard us talk about drive homework because it's vital to drive a lot of things when trying to find your next car. Knowing your options is important. This applies to online shopping too. You don't want to search just one website unless that site is searching all of the other ones for you. That's why we love Auto Tempest. I know you've heard us talk about it before, and we hope you've already seen how far you can shop with just one search. Auto Tempest pulls from all the top used car sites at once, so you know you won't miss a deal on that perfect car. Autotempest.com. All the cars. One search. RJ writes to us with the most difficult question. Mm. Because his wife has begun considering a car for the near future. Cool. All right. He's writing on behalf of his wife. We love that when it happens, by the way. That is fantastic. Her current car is a fifth generation Mustang. She absolutely loves it. Okay. But she has a bit of bad back problems from a previous injury. Though the Mustang is not currently giving her problems. She says, well, you know, getting a little older. She's thinking about getting a more comfortable luxury vehicle. (laughs) But hang on. Hang on. So I'm reading along going, we're going to buy something huge. And then the next (laughs) sentence is, by the way, we have an Elise, which she loves. What? She has trouble getting in and out. Of course she does, because people without bad back problems have trouble getting in and out of the Elise. Everybody has trouble. And by the way, uh, he and his wife are both six feet tall. So she's not, it's not like I'm five feet having trouble getting in the Elise. RJ and his wife are big people, okay, like me. It's the, it's the praying mantis thing. But they have a lease she loves, so what he typically has to do is roll back the edge of the uh, of the roof, the cloth roof, to give her the headroom to get out. So I totally funny. get that. By the way, please, this is hard to not do on the passenger side, please don't pull on the A-pillar. 
you can crack windshields that way. Oh, you've mentioned be that careful. to me. Yeah. Be careful. But she, she loves their Elise. And it sounds like, much to my shock, the Mustang's got to go, but the Elise has got to stay. <laughs> Reading along, yeah, Mustang, back problems, yeah, but we got an Elise. <laughs> I had the exact same thought. But, I was like, what happened there? But good for you on having it. I'm glad you like it. Once yeah. you're in the Elise, actually, it's yes. it's not hard on your back. It's surprisingly it's good once you're really in. Really not. Yeah. So, okay, I can see that. But here's the difficult question is, four-door sedan, no SUVs or crossovers, because years ago she tested over an SUV and barely got a few blocks from the dealership before realizing she hated it. Very interesting. Okay. It's good. All right. She's not like most people. Those people are like, yeah, this is it. Sweet. <laughs> it reminds me of the first time my wife ever drove the Acadia we actually ended up buying. It and never gets had, old. We got out of a body on frame. Big our big Yukon. We're driving along and we're like two blocks away from the dealer. And I, and I the guy should have just left me alone to talk to my own wife. But he's uh-huh. sitting in the passenger seat and he goes, See, the part of the way this is designed, it drives more like a car. And she looked at him deadpan and went, That's what I hate about it. <laughs> anyway, yeah. Talk about stepping on a rake. Rear-wheel drive is preferred for RJ's wife, and the back seat should have decent legroom, mm. ideally headroom good enough to comfortably mm. fit someone who is six foot one. And like Todd has VLTS, we've now identified mm. as the very long torso stature. Good to know. All right, could be syndrome. I think it should be syndromes. Yeah, very long torso syndrome because everything's a syndrome. Everything's a syndrome. Yeah. yeah. He wants good performance, like, you know, current cars. Okay. And no monochromatic non-colors. I like Deep, that. Rich, who's preferred. Good. But here it is, mm-hmm. manual transmission only. I had such a good list going in my head. Yeah, And he no throws kidding. down manual transmission only, and most of the list dropped away. That is really hard. Four-door, roomy, manual sedan? What? All right. She has only ever bought manual cars. In fact, as a teenager, she bought her first car with a manual specifically to teach herself how to drive one. Like it. RJ puts a little comment in here. He says, just one of the many things that endear her to to him. <laughs> I love it. Fantastic. RJ is not going to give us price parameters. Since this is probably difficult enough, but the less expensive, the better. Okay. All right. <clears throat> so what are the good choices? Or are all such beasts extinct, especially in the U.S.? You don't want a Jetta, trust me. Can we just start there? You don't want a Jetta. No Jettas, no GLIs. Well, but rear-wheel rear drive preferred kind of gets us away from that pretty That's quick. That's true. Even though technically you're right. It, it does. It checks so many boxes. It checks boxes, all the boxes and, and low we're price. Going to promptly and, walk away. Yeah. It, let's walk away from a WRX2. Okay. I just thought, you yep. know what? There's, there's better driving experiences to be okay. had. I, th- I think for her, for sure, yeah. <clears throat> now, the good news, RJ, is the prior generation, which is actually still a 2021 Genesis G70 with the base engine can still be had for as low as 38, but you're not going to find them for 38 unless they're super used. But nevertheless, that does come with a manual transmission up through 2021. That is the old generation Genesis G70. They are they stopped offering that. They are unicorns. Okay. If you could they, find what RJ, I think you could buy one just to, to send us a photo that they exist. The problem I have there is the true. backseat space. They're bigger than most four doors, but you're right. They're, they're not great. So let's move on to a 2021 Mazda 3. Mm. You'll only get the hatchback, though, because you're wanting that manual transmission. It does not come in the sedan. It's not offered. Only in the hatchback with that 186 horsepower, 2.5 liter engine. You can't get the turbo. Right. That's the problem. You, if you, oh, <clears> this is so hard. Bit of a bummer. You see, it's like, here's the candy. Mm-hmm. The candy comes with a lot of strings attached. Mm-hmm. Sign here, please. <laughs> So that leads me to the Honda Civic. 
the Civic Si or the Type R? True. Now, I actually hadn't gone there. That's a good one. Well, the reason I suggest all the way to the Type R is because they're Elise owners. They're comfortable in the flashy, ask me all the fair, questions fair point. car. Fair point, yeah. This isn't like, well, we're not used to cars and we don't we want to remain anonymous and we don't like flashy giant <laughs> things, wings and, you know, crazy looking cars. They're Elise owners. Mm-hmm. They can do a type R. Yeah, the front wheel drive thing is the only catch there, but it's still so fun and good to it drive. Is. It is. RJ, then I went over to Cadillac CT4V in the Blackwing. Do you want to splurge? Do you want to go nuts? I hope they can align their trim levels, at least on the Blackwing version, because on the regular CT4, it's <laughs> not acceptable. The one we got <clears> was <throat> didn't, didn't sound like built on a bad day. It was poor. Built on a bad day, for sure, yes. But may I point you in the direction of BMW? Mm. Again, my choices here, like the M235i, are not going to check all those boxes. BMW builds some of the best seats still ever conceived. That's true. And Great if you're dealing seats. with back problems, mm-hmm. BMW. They're so very good. Now, you can shoehorn larger people into the back of a 2 Series coupe. You can get them back there. They're not going to be happy. They're not. But you can get them back there, and it's okay. I'd say it's about on the level with the G70 as far as back seat space. The shoulder room in the G70 is a bit more. The, yes. the 2 Series can be kind of tight. But nevertheless, I feel like we could almost do everything short of going to you know something huge. But I don't know if you want huge. Or, or mm. do you want huge? Do you, do you want huge? Do you want the ends of the spectrum? Huge and Elise? I, I don't know. Well, I feel like because they have the Elise and because she's looking for more luxury, and because we have to put big people in the back, I wound up in bigger four doors, just which instantly went bigger. So Pontiac G8. Let, let me run through a few here. There's 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 pros and cons of all of these in the list because RJ, you have hit on the major blind spot in the market right now, partially because manufacturers are wanting to shop something else. But as the people that didn't buy the G70 manual proves. When manufacturers put out a manual transmission rear-wheel drive sedan, we, as enthusiasts, do not show up. Now, you could say that in the case of the Genesis, would have been nice to have that manual with the big engine. Maybe. But I don't know that we would have shown up anymore. Yeah, the sales numbers wouldn't come so, through what they're looking for. The Kia Stinger is one of my ideas for you because it has really good backseat space, excellent dynamics. I think you would like that car, but it does not come in a manual. So mm. that's difficult. A Porsche Panamera used, I think you would both love. Phenomenal seats, four six-footers in that car. I, I've seen four that's six-footers true. in that car with helmets seats. on. <laughs> okay? Yeah. So that no. is a phenomenal car to drive in any spec. Four big people can fit in that car. You still have hatch space. It's superb to drive. They are out there at pretty much any budget level you would like to do. Avoid the turbos. The early turbos had... <clears throat> issues oh plus the more tech the worst but so porsche panamera the problem there is guess what no manual now you do have porsche's great pdk maybe that is a peace offering to kind of get you halfway maybe okay because it is a really good transmission but you can't do manual so let's chase the manuals Mm. you brought it up one of them already and that is the caddy ct4 or ct5 blackwing 
how much budget do you have? I mean, that's the throwdown car. I just it's a throwdown car. Blackwing. I'm bringing edition. it up because that is the last hurrah cars. Cadillac has said that. Like, get them now. So you could have one, and you could be thrilled that you have one and enjoy it for a while. And of course, Cadillac so luxury and Blackwing manual transmission. Come on, CT4, CT5 is really viable for brand new options. But then I thought used, and you're not going to be surprised by either one of these choices. First off, BMW. The E90 M3, that is the four-door from the late 2000s with that fantastic high-revving That's V8. That's really good. Really good back seats. Watch our, our film Icon. It has an amazing one in there where he actually, our friend Mike locally, he squared the stance and it made it actually better. No, that's great. That's really good. That M3 is it's, really, really good choice. It's everything Paul said about great BMW six uh, seats. Yeah. It's got the fantastic V8, really good six-speed manual, surprising room. It's also, one of the things I've always loved about that car is that is a stealth mobile. Everybody just sees, you bought an old BMW, it's a three series, whatever. It's a rocket ship, and it's so much fun. So E90 M3. It's really thirsty. It just is. know that. Th- well, just know Mustang. She's driving Mustang. Oh, so we're true. okay. We're okay. 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 All right, still. Chevy SS. You're thinking RJ, Chevy's, yeah, yeah. Come on now, yeah. now. It's I would not define the Chevy SS as a luxury car. It is a it is a mid grade sedan in the interior, but the seats are good. It comes in a manual. It comes with, with magnetic ride suspension, so that means you can actually rest your back. You can go soft. You can go hardcore. Yeah, and it comes with things that are considered luxury features, even though it's not going to seem like it, like heated seats. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, it's a little thing. It isn't a modern luxury car interior, because, again, that car is older now. But if you find yourself a Chevy SS, the six-speed and the Magna Ride, I think that is a rare moment in time car you guys would love. So that is my last one on the list is the Chevy SS. Nice, nice. All right, well, RJ, got some drive homework to do. And yeah, I, let us I know. do like that uh, that BMW. <sighs> That E90, it's just always one I forget about. It's, and it's so good. It's mm, the, Here's the thing. The the Julia Quadrifoglio could have been the second gen of that car if they brought it here in a manual, but they didn't. They only brought it here in the auto. I have it overseas in the manual. And that's a phenomenal car that I also think could be on the list. But again, no manual. So that E90 and the Chevy SS, those are rare beasts that are only eclipsed currently by the Blackwing, but the Blackwing is going to be twice the price. If you park outside during cold months, overnight, at home, or at work, you need a car cover from Covercraft. We specifically recommend the Custom Weather Shield HP Car Cover. It's designed for dramatic water dispersion while still being breathable and super lightweight. It's also got superior paint finish protection, too. On the underside, it's less abrasive than flannel. Our cars are an investment. From our personal fun cars and SUVs to our cheap sports cars, Covercraft is focused on protecting all of them. And whatever car, SUV, or truck you love, they want to protect that too. Whatever sunscreen, dash cover, or car cover you choose, remember to use the code EVERYDAY21 at checkout to receive a 10% discount and free shipping from Covercraft.com specifically for our audience. Follow the link from our sponsors page or go directly to Covercraft.com for high-quality products that keep your vehicles protected and looking their best. Covercraft, protecting the things that move you. Thank you guys for always chiming in with great questions. We ask for them twice a week. That typically is Mondays and Thursdays for our podcasts releasing on Tuesdays and Fridays. Thank you for bringing the questions. Also, I haven't said this in a while. Thank you guys that have rated and reviewed this podcast. 
Mm, yeah. I'll go a while and I won't think about it. And then I'll, I'll click on the thing and see if we've got any new ratings. And we always have new ratings. And that is you guys. And you guys for doing sure. that is what sure. keeps this podcast a top five automotive podcast. We cannot thank you enough for those ratings and reviews. So really appreciate it. I'm going to start right here with Chris on Facebook says, when in an automatic and coming to a red light or stop sign, he's actually talking about a paddle shift automatic. Do you paddle shift down to first gear or let the car do it? Chris, I rarely paddle shift all the way down to first. I very often will come down a couple, but at some point, if I'm actually coming to a stop, the car is going to do it. I don't have to, uh, I typically find that the car does it when you get fully stopped, the car won't do it prior. So if I pull down to one and I'm still rolling, it's always just herky jerky. So I didn't worry about it most of the time. Mm, that's, that's good. There's a question on here. Uh, oh, Adam M says, if you were forced for a year to live in a city that shares a name with a vehicle, and you were only allowed to drive that vehicle for the entire time you lived there. Okay. Where would you choose to live and drive? What would be your first choice, and what would be your last choice? Here's some examples. You live in Taos, New Mexico, and you drive a Volkswagen Taos. I'm not living in Taos, New Mexico. You saw that coming. Yeah, I'm not. Just, li- no. I could see it. I could hear the ticking of the clock as it came closer. <sighs> oh. Dodge Durango, you drive a Dodge Durango in Durango, Colorado. Uh-huh. Yeah. Of course, Kia Telluride in Telluride, Colorado. Mm-hmm. How about a 550 Marinello in Maranello, Italy? Okay, that now sounds, that's starting to work. That's tasty. Yeah. Mm. The Modena. The, the Modena is, there you is go. pretty up that's there for me. That's working too. Yeah, yeah that's that, good. I like that. See, that, that's the good thing about Ferraris. They're, they're named after the, the good towns the good and places. Yep. good food and good wine, and the, you're still driving a Ferrari. It almost doesn't matter. <laughs> they made it easy. Junky they, yeah. Ferrari. There, there you go. Perfect. Love so it. So that is my first choice. But then I thought about you know the things I like to do and where I like to be. And skiing is up there. Mm-hmm. And then I thought, no. I don't, don't <laughs> No. No. <laughs> Dang it. Yeah. You can ski here too. <laughs> but how about, you're going to laugh. Oh, no. The Dodge Aspen. <laughs> <laughs> Got oh, a cruise no. around in an old Aspen. Well, okay. But All then right. I'm in Aspen. But, you know, the Aspen has racks on it. And, mm. <laughs> but I, at least I'm in Aspen. You you could be the, the, the rare ski bum in Aspen <laughs> with the ripped clothes co- covered by duct tape and the old it's broken only, down Aspen. Yeah. You could do that. But yeah. for, you're just saying for a year. It's not mm-hmm. forever. But then <laughs> what about... Could I just leave it parked mostly? Do I? <laughs> you take public transit, but technically well, you own an Aspen. Monte Carlo, the Dodge Monte Carlo from back oh, in the day. there you go. All right. And you're yeah. in Monte Carlo. Mm-hmm. You still get to look at all the awesome cars that are there. And the Monte Carlo remains parked in the underground park- parking garage. <laughs> you just walk everywhere. Because it's small. You can pretty much get around. Oh, that is funny. I'm, I'm trying to work a scooter in there so I can get around Monte Carlo, Adam. But... Uh, I, I do like the Ferraris. That that is the tasty choice. And notice, not too many German towns. A Ford no. Capri on the island of Capri. <laughs> <laughs> hey, why, why not? Let's try yeah. that. Well, then That's you're on Capri. Terribly funny. Constant spring break. Yeah, there you go. Daniel Beers has a question that almost feels like it should be on an All Questions podcast. I'm going to step into this slowly. He says, question for me, the weird long-haired one. Can a man who's almost 40 suddenly become a long hair guy? And if so, any tips? Daniel, hair is so personal. And and that's the thing. Do you like your hair? That's really the thing I'm going to say. I know there are plenty of people that do not like my crazy hair. But you know what? I like it and so does my wife. If my wife decided she didn't, guess what? I would change it. 
Okay, so you've got to That's figure out. That's pretty much the end of that conversation. That, that really is that the is end. Really She's like, you know what, honey, it's not working for me anymore. I'm like, okay, let's go. Let's well, figure that out. I, I you mean, know? the fact that she does, like, you don't have yeah. to justify it to anybody else. Absolutely right. That so, Daniel, this, these are my questions. Is Look, I've known plenty of people, okay, who are chiseled, model-looking men, and then they grew a big, like, homeless guy beard over that face. Really attractive guys with like the chiseled jaw you can cut cheese on. These kind of guys that grew these big homeless guy beards. And I always thought, what on earth? But you know what? They like it and the woman in their life loves it. All right, grow the All weird right. beard. I, does, I, don't, I don't get it. But yeah. okay, so yeah. if the person in your life likes it and you like it, the conversation's kind of done. I feel like, but it's up to you, man. But hey, you've got hair, so grow it down to wherever, you know. There you go, you man. Embrace it. Brian D.Y. asks a question I want to touch on, but I almost think this is more of a topic Tuesday. Okay. We talk a lot about tuning out of class. Mm. Can manufacturers do the same? There's been some chatter around the interwebs about Toyota releasing a Lexus version of the 86. Seems to be a bit of a stretch because the Super does exist, but what are our thoughts mm. on manufacturing doing that, manufacturers doing that? Well, when they do, I think the primary example I can think of is Mitsubishi taking a lowly Lancer, mm-hmm. which is among the cheapest cars ever, yes. Yes. and turning it into a monster. Mm-hmm. That is tuning out a class by a manufacturer because you still slam the door and you think, Ugh. this is still a lancer there it is there it is twist the knob on the air yuck the window switches the stocks the the materials but then when you move and you start throwing that thing around this is awesome this is awesome and all that cheapness just goes right out the window Mm -hmm. that is tuning out of class are they big sellers will manufacturers continue Mm -hmm. to do this that's a tough sell because to tune in class, it's going to be a pretty high-end vehicle, pretty you know, engineered for that purpose, like a Cayman. And then they're going to make it pretty nice. You can add things to it. Even the Miata is becoming pretty expensive. The RF is $36,000 fully loaded. Yeah, yeah. It's a fun, chuckable, lightweight, luxury leather, power top. Mm. What? This feels like a luxury car, $36,000. <laughs> Where's my little lightweight, cheapo sports car? Mm-hmm. Not the RF, mm. even at that level. Well, it's because people want luxury. They want that. So I think that will continue to a point, but to really get the high performance, whatever version of that car, you'll know it. Mm. I, I think the the getting away with, you know, turning this into something amazing like Mitsubishi did, I think those days are behind us. Ed Hayes said, money, no object. It's no money. It's he's got, no he's got money. That in parentheses, I love it. It's no money. Money, no object. What car would we resto mod to an electric car? Oh, now I'm going to really embrace the resto mod concept here, being that if you're resto modding something, you can change everything under the body. You can change it all to be modern, as modern as you want. Okay. Okay. So I'm yep. also yep. thinking about. I found the car that I think would be the perfect money, no object electric resto mod, and that is the DeLorean. Oh, yeah. That car should yeah. just be electric, shouldn't it? But it also yeah. should just have better ergonomics and handle better. And if you're resto modding, let's fix all of that. That yes. goes by with yes. an electric word, and you just go, somehow that's right. Somehow that's exactly correct. But I can't imagine what it would cost to do that car right. See, the dichotomy is those old cars, like the DeLorean, stainless steel. It's a weighs, you know, barbecue grill weight. Yeah. It's so heavy, stainless yeah, yeah. steel panels. But then the electric motors would overcome Wouldn't all care. The, the poor driving dynamics. It would be fast. Mm-hmm. So 
what other cars do you do that to? Because you're adding tremendous amounts of weight mm-hmm. with that electric drivetrain, and then the car doesn't handle. That first Tesla Roadster is the prime example. Yep, for sure. You think, oh, little lightweight, cool, nimble thing. Not it more. is a dog. <laughs> it is not fun. It's quick. It's very quick. But you turn, it's like, whoa, what is this thing? I don't know. I, di- I didn't really like it. So to do that, you've got to start with something really light, and that's why I do like those 356s and those 912s being mm. bought because they're tiny, lightweight cars to begin with. Mm-hmm. And then when you put the batteries and the electric motor at the back, well, that's where all the acceleration is. you got all yeah. you know over the rear wheel. You'd maintain the, the feel of it. You would, for sure. Which yeah. I like. But I've also really loved what Jaguar was doing with their E-Type. Yeah, that was cool. And it was the interesting. I-Pace drivetrain being mm-hmm. shoved into that. And it's non-destructive, too. You could put it back if mm-hmm. you wanted to. Yeah. And it kept the same, for the most part, the same balance of that car. A bit heavier, yeah. but it kept the same balance front to rear. That's kind of exciting. So, I well, still, still 912s. That's a good one. Waleed joined us on the Utah pilgrimage trip. He said, what do we see as the chances of having a 2022 pilgrimage trip to Europe? Any details yet? No details yet. We need to get information from all these tracks. We'll let you know as soon as we can. Uh, I'm going to put it out there. I think we've got a 70, 75% chance of going. We don't know. We can't project right Mm -hmm. now. Our Mm -hmm. hope would be that signups would start mid-March of next year for next fall. We are currently planning to go. We will see what happens in the next four or five months, but that would be the, the schedule of it. Vehicle.nanny says when Todd and Paul switch positions after a test drive, we're seen on camera passing each other in front of the vehicle. Mm-hmm. How come we don't do some clever high five or low five or fancy driver change? This has been, coming, been requested a few times now. Yeah. <laughs> it's got to be a surprise. But wouldn't that just kind of be goofy and cheesy, though, at I, some point? I think it's here's the thing. I think we should. And in some cars, we do weird little things, but I think it needs to be car to car. And I think it can't always be the same. I think if we have some car we're loving, we should totally do the high five. Yeah, yeah. When, when we drove the Tundra in Texas, we got out, and you hid yourself under the hood. You were just this floating head, which was hysterical. <laughs> I'm going to do the Austin Powers canoe thing. Seriously, yes. Where you just paddle. We, 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 should, we should keep doing. Or the doing, elevator. Totally. We should keep doing things like that, but I think it needs to be always different and car yeah. to car. Otherwise, it's just going to be, okay, and then they did the high five, and off we go. <laughs> we could do the total, like, we could find the old movies that do the really ridiculous ones with, like, the high five, the low five, the slap knees, the whatever just, it is. We could do the whole thing. gag. Yeah, that, just, but you can't always do the same one, though, because you're really going to wear it out. Yeah, I don't want to wear it out, but all right, all right. Deondi Tan on Facebook says, question for the podcast. Hey, you're in the right place. He's on a road trip with his own car, which is a A4 all-road. He's visiting famous driving roads around Los Angeles Crest all over L.A. Should he rent a fun car for the canyons for a day or two or drive his own car, which is on winter tires? I think the bigger question for you is, are you willing and able financially to rent something else? Because you are on some of the best roads of the country when you're out in L.A. Mm-hmm. So why mm-hmm. not make that part of the vacation experience and get on Turo or Haggerty Driveshare and find something you've always wanted to drive, you've always been curious about. Now you have a really good test drive. It's not a test drive. It's an actual drive with a car you've always been curious about. You can marry that to the roads and you can come away with drive homework, drive experience like we talk about all the time. I think it's absolutely worth it if you were not in a car that plays to the roads, if you have the time and the money, and if you have a significant other with you, are they willing to go? Because they may not be. Otherwise, of course, look, if you drive a great road, million-dollar highway in an mm-hmm. RV, mm-hmm. I don't recommend it in an RV. But if your options were we drive it in an RV or we don't go, drive it in an RV. Seth Kay's question here on Facebook asks, how we stomach having a car that you can't or won't or don't drive several months out of the year 
Welcome to Detroit, especially if you're making payments, loan or lease mm. on it. He tried it once and he found it painful to look at a fun car sitting in the garage undriven. Well, yeah, heck yeah, it is. And it's tough because the closest, largest city to us has the word salt in it. It's actually the first word. <laughs> At a large lake with that word in it, too. I'm a little there's terrified for our old cars. Lake out there. Yeah. There's the Bonneville Salt Flats. It's full of salt. It's all they put on the roads here. It's that magnesium, yes. goopy, salty, weird yeah. stuff that just gets It's everywhere. a proprietary mix. It's great for, for icy roads, it's but it's great not for selling cars. It's yeah. mm-hmm. sponsored by all the car manufacturers. Yeah, it's, it's rough. I agree. Fortunately for us... There are those rare days that are cold, but mm-hmm. clear and dry. Mm-hmm. And you you can bet those cars are coming out of the garage on those yeah. days. Like, yeah. hey, the roads are dry, so it's not the slop isn't going to you know be thrown up under the undercarriage. Totally, yeah. And all right, it's 20 degrees out, but the sun's out. It's a gorgeous day. We don't have to, anything to prove. We don't have to mm-hmm. you know find the limits of the tires. Mm-hmm. Even though we do recommend for summer performance tires, you don't want to be on them 45 degrees and colder. I admit I have had the car out mm-hmm. and just cruise. Just it's better to, I think to have the car out and enjoy it than still like, well, still you sitting know, there. it's yeah. 44 degrees. I can't go anywhere. Darn it. <laughs> there are oh. those days all winter. I actually took a picture of my Lotus on Christmas day last year as our Christmas post. And that became that ad brightness shirt. Much to my surprise. That was Christmas day. Trip. That was Christmas day. I took it out Christmas That's morning. Cool. What was That's funny cool. is that my parents, you know, were coming over for Christmas because they live here now. That's the definition of a mixed bag, by the way. So anyway, <laughs> so they were coming over and, and they pulled in the, the driveway. My mom said, did we just see your car out? It's like, yeah, uh-huh. I took it out, took beep, some beep. photos, came back. But anyway, see, that's awesome when that works. Indeed. Speaking of past cars, Flippa Rodriguez says, we had a Z4 in the fleet. Yes, I did. I had a Z4. Lately, we've been talking a lot more about the Z3. What's happened? No more love for the Z4. What's going on? Please compare. The reason the Z3s come up a lot more of late is because we've had a few car debates since we had that monster Huge, cheap car piece, and thank you to those of you that have watched it. That's doing better than just about any piece ever posted, so thank you. It's really a rocket ship. We love it. We had a Z3 in there. Mm -hmm. That was the great surprise. It was also by far the cheapest car there. The difference is that the Z3, and we mentioned this in the piece, the Z3 is BMW builds a Miata. The Z4 is BMW builds a Boxster. Okay. Right. So we have had a lot of car debates recently where people are looking for a focused, fun only back road car. And if that was your life and that's what you're looking for, I would say Z3 over Z4. If you were going to use your convertible as a daily, you're going to commute in it. You're going to do road trips in it. You're going to do this kind of stuff. I would say Z4 over Z3 all the time. And I've also said this before. I think a lot of people want to get an S2000 and use it all the time, but they can't don't know if they really want to spend that. They can't really. I think you need a Z4. Unless you're going to be tracking your S2000, I think you need a Z4. But the Z4 is the much more usable one. Z3 is a little more focused, but it also feels more like a toy. Mm, Ferrari Roma. Cruising around Rome for oh, a year. Now you've in won. a Roma. I I here's Ferrari I Roma. Like it. I haven't noticed yeah. Ferraris like known the brands in a couple of years. I've been they've just been a wash of red things coming out of there. Okay, <laughs> right, right. The Roma is my current guilty pleasure car. Is it? I want is one it? so badly, and it makes it's, zero sense, and my yeah. budget cannot possibly cope. So it won't be happening. But the, yeah, the Roma in Rome, Rome whoa, that's oh, the, a the, good I year. I think that's the winner right you there. You have just won. <laughs> Olin R says, he went to the Seattle Auto Show, and he says it was fun to take the kids, but he was disappointed in the overall showing. It used to be a big event that took a whole day to experience, but now it's about a quarter of what it once was. No concept cars, no exotics, and most premium brands like Mercedes, Jaguar, Land Rover, Audi, Porsche completely missing in action. 
and new key releases are missing. No Z card, no Integra, no aftermarket stands. Is this just a temporary COVID thing, he says, or a trend towards more online marketing? Is it all the shows or is it all the shows or is it just a consolidation to the few big ones and the satellite shows are just going to continue shrinking until they eventually disappear? I'd love to chalk it up to just the pandemic thing. I, mm-hmm. I would. I think SEMA... There were a lot of people there. We heard they're, yeah, they're yeah. you know quite a good showing, but there were far less as far as just the people tagging along because they wanted to go see cool stuff. Mm-hmm. It felt more of a real business to business kind of thing again, which was good and that's fine. But I think people are still skeptical to be honest. Yeah, I think people yeah. are still just a little bit sketchy and I think it'll come back to be honest. But I, I wonder if marketing for cars is forever changed from here on out. I think so. And not just pandemic related, but chip shortage related because you've written to us, all you guys have said, well, thanks for advertising a car that I can't buy. Yeah. Yeah, or yeah. I, I can buy it, but it doesn't have the things that I actually want. Can't get heated seats. That's a common one right now. Yeah. Chips. Of all the things for chips to, to kill, heated seats is a really common one on a lot of manufacturers right now. And if you're buying a car for cold weather, you're going to want those heated seats. What do you do? So, Olin, I've seen this before, but just recently on Instagram, I saw that Rivian parked a truck in Times Square. I believe it was Times Square. And pulled out the camp stove. They the little, slid that the out. Side canoe put the thing, foot yeah. in the side canoe. It's the yeah. outrigger. It something. is something, yeah. And they pulled that out and they had cones around it. And it's direct marketing for people walking by, well, especially New Yorkers, because, you know, what's that? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so they looked at that and thought, huh, my gosh. And, at, you know, ask questions. They were there, mm-hmm. you know, the representatives mm-hmm. were there, ask us questions. Here's what it can do. You're seeing it just one. Live in the flesh right there. I'm wondering if that becomes more prevalent, especially for vehicles like the Rivian, because you just, you see it right there. You're walking by, you happen upon it. That's a huge seller. That just ingrains it in your memory. Mm. Look what I saw today. You know, I took photos. That's good. I just walked by this. It was right on the street. I've Mm. never seen one before. So I expect car manufacturers to do that more, you know, putting the high-end exotics and they park them at car shows. Mm Mm-hmm. Or they park them, you know, especially for, for the exotic stuff, because yeah, yeah. that's the market. The people yeah. attending car shows want to buy the exotic stuff and the hot, you know, race car stuff. Whereas, you know, on the street, you know, lifestyle stuff, where, where are we going to reach buyers? Mm. Oh, it's electric too. I, I'm going to predict that car companies start doing the more pop-up shop. The mm. one car in one area for one or two days. That makes almost as big an impression as spending all the money on the huge pavilion in the booth and courting people as they come by. And, you know, you may get the traffic you want, but you may not. Mm. I think it makes a bigger impression to start doing kind of guerrilla marketing like that again. I think that's kind of interesting. Put the cars where the people are. I like it. T. No on Instagram says he's reading Paper Father. Thank you, man. He said you just bought it. You can't put it down. I am incredibly flattered to hear that. Your question is a bit of a curveball. You said, have I considered turning this into an indie video game? I did not expect that question. That's interesting. Now, it's been compared before to Last of Us, which is a very popular, very good video game. And it's also about to be a TV series. The thing is, I have zero contacts toward gaming, and indie video game is a tough road from the little bit that I understand. I have a few contacts toward Hollywood, and I would actually love to get it into an actual series. We'll see what happens, but I just appreciate the fact that you're reading it, and I'm very flattered you're enjoying it. 
Last question for me from Robert M saying that he knows we've driven the new Sorento in 2.5 T form and hybrid, but his question is, which do we prefer? He doesn't mind hybrids, but he does like the X line package that does not come on the hybrid. Yeah. I say, get the X line. I think I, I liked it better. I mm-hmm. acknowledge the hybrid and we generally really are accepting of hybrids. Yeah. We like them a lot of times. Doesn't matter the manufacturer Toyota's in a lot of cases, but doesn't matter. We welcome the hybrid. We like what it does. We like how it moves the car. Mm-hmm. We like the tech on there. But the X-Line package is pretty awesome. It looks great. It does look good. And I think it suits that particular vehicle most likely. It looks best that way, yeah. For sure. In its form, I think that X-Line really brings out what that vehicle is intended to do. So my my preference is X-Line. X-Line, the minivan. Come on, the carnival. (laughs) I know. You want the carnival to be an (laughs) X-Line. Eddie, watch that video if you haven't seen it. That's on the Test Drive channel. Scott on Facebook, last question for me. He said, you caught a glimpse of my son's arm. Yes, I had my son with me in the Z car piece. I actually mentioned the fact that he's along for the ride. He said, he's glad that we went together and got that car. That was a really cool road trip for us. If you haven't seen that piece on YouTube, both Paul's buying of his 928 and me buying the 300ZX. It's on our original Everyday Driver YouTube channel. You can go to everydaydriver.com. There's a YouTube tab. You can jump either place. Those are both on the. That's the beginning of so much content mm-hmm. with those cars. We are about to yeah. take a huge road trip. Anyway, I'm getting off track. The point here is: Have I taken my son on any other fun shoots or test drives? He joined us on. You may have heard him on this podcast because he was joining us on the Utah meetup, and he had much to say when we <laughs> podcasted. He was the lone kid, but he also was with me on a monster greatest hits of Utah and Colorado road trip of the Lotus we did this summer. And there is a video on that coming. And he actually waves at camera every time I mention him. Every time I mention I'm here with my son, he waves in front of the camera. So you'll see him (laughs) there as well. It's very funny. Season 9 is on Amazon. Yes, it is. And Season 10 is coming. It is. We're working on that. So we hope you enjoy Season 9. And thanks, guys, for all your support of the podcast and our two YouTube channels as well. So a lot of content coming on both. The test drives continue through the end of the year. And we're excited to share. Really appreciate it. Looking forward to next time. Cheers, everyone. (laughs) 